I'm going to quit my job now. I have some money that I've saved up for over the last two months. I have to quit. I'm like, you got to basically, she said, you're going to be a homeless guy. You won't have any money. What are you going to do? And that's where I decided, okay, it's also time for me to just move out. Right, right. Find my own spot in Amsterdam. I got the traineeship. Nice, yeah. And that's where I kind of uh, do my own thing. So they were really hesitant about that decision. And when I started freelancing, my dad was like, yeah, go for it. Because he actually, he's already been doing it for a couple of years. And my mom was like, yeah, but you only have two, three years of experience. You need a lot more experience. And and I told her, yeah, that's what I thought as well. But then I look at my friends and, and I read some things online. And basically, I, I don't like, I'm not going to quit my job before I find a freelance project. And right, then I right, just right. accept the freelance project and go for it. In the end, it was the best decision ever. And she re realized this as well. And then when I told her about the traveling and I'm going to go YouTube, she was like, yeah, as a hobby, you mean? No, I said, no, I want to go full time. edition of the board with nelly podcast it is wednesday evening for me it's thursday morning for my guest stefan right yep <laughs> for people that don't know he used to do uh data analytics and now he's transitioning into youtube content marketing um i'm really excited to have you here i started watching your videos randomly through the algorithm i remember you had a video talking about the potential dangers and upside of the algorithm and i thought to myself wow i mean yeah for me, I'd be screwed if I didn't have the algorithm because I find so many interesting people through this thing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to have you. I'm excited to learn about your journey. Um, let's start from way back when you first moved or you went to Netherlands, originally from Serbia. Cool. What did you want to do when, when you kind of were growing up? Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, let's go first way, way back just for a little bit of context. So I was born in Serbia, Belgrade. And when I was about eight months old, because of the Yugoslavian war, when uh, Yugoslavia was falling apart, my parents moved to Holland. And I had a pretty chill childhood. I mean, everything was okay in Holland. Uh, cool friends, just a really chill childhood. Then I went studying. Uh, I studied industrial engineering and management. And probably the biggest reason why I studied this was it sounded cool. Like uh, a lot of people, you have this study called, uh, how would you say? Yeah, like basic management. I would say, but th that was the go-to study if you didn't know what you want to do. And I didn't know what I want to do, but industrial engineering and management, that, that, that was, by the way, the full name of my study, was kind of this management, but also some engineering. So I studied that, finished studying, still didn't know what to do. So I went backpacking in Southeast Asia uh, in hopes of finding myself. I didn't find shit. I found a lot of bu <laughs> buckets with vodka, Red Bull, and... Uh, you just had a frat Everything. boy party in fucking hey, Asia. For three months. Yeah, for three months. Yeah. No, I had a time of my life. I really, really needed that to like meet new people, broaden my perspective. I mean, it was crazy. It was the first time I was, yeah, it was the first time I was, went outside of Europe and like saw there is a world out here. Uh, so when, when I came back, that was pro probably the most challenging period of my life. Like, okay, now I'm back. I had this cool, awesome uh, time and now I'm. Yeah, now I'm back in Holland. It was winter, cold, dark. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any money left. So I started a, a recruitment job. 
then worked my way up to a traineeship. Uh, yeah, I applied for a traineeship, and that's where I kind of got in touch with the data analytics, and that's where I started working, getting working experience. And I thought, okay, this is pretty cool. I can earn a decent amount of money. Still not exactly what I want to do, but at least now I have a, a, a leeway to uh, to do. To explore um, a little bit, to explore from exactly. that point on. Yeah. Exactly. Um, when you were first deciding careers, I made the same similar mistake. There's a lot of similarities in our, in, a, in our stories, I think, and I'll we'll talk about that more. But um, did you, by any chance, use like a process of elimination kind of thing? Like, I don't like this, so this is what's left, and then I don't like that. This is the last thing, and you kind of funneled into what you want to do. Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> That's such so, a terrible way to do it. Like we, but we both yeah, yeah, I mean, it, we made that mistake. Well, it's not. I don't see it as a mistake. I mean, it takes. A, it's maybe not the most efficient way to get to what you want right. to do, but it's not useless. It was to some people it may feel like, oh man, I uh, wasted uh, a couple of months doing something I don't like. Oh man, I would never get the time back. No, but you now figured out one hundred percent for sure that you, this right. is not something you want to do. There's a there's definitely different ways to look at it. That's definitely another way to look at it. Hey, this was the journey that was going to happen a hundred out of a hundred times, and that journey has to yeah. lead me to the next journey, which is why you took that first up. But I remember when exactly. I was picking engineering, I, I finished electrical and I was just kind of figuring out, I don't like medicine. I don't like this. I like math. I don't like this. Oh, okay. Engineering. My brother did engineering. Fuck it. Let's go down engineering. And did you like it? Was it a good choice? It was okay. I mean, I didn't know if I didn't know what the, the, the question, did you like it is such a tough one because I don't know what I was supposed to feel. Like, I, I don't know what the level of happiness or comfort with what I'm picking is supposed to be so to me i was like oh, i don't like this i don't like this i like this i don't like this. it's like is this normal is this what everyone goes through like i know some people in the classroom were like doing engineering stuff on the weekends I'm like what is wrong with you like i want to play basketball with my friends you know so like i'm not this guy but then again there's some people that are failing miserably so i'm not I'm, i was somewhere in the middle and that's kind of the worst place to be because if you're in the middle then you need to really start searching for answers right is that, is that how you felt yeah, because the middle, like if, if something sucks really bad, that should be enough motivation to get you started to look for something else. But if you're stuck in the middle, you're stuck. That's what I call discomfort zone. Like, yeah, this is not really what I want to do. I don't like it. Man, I'm just kind of surviving. And you could literally live your whole life like that because it's not that bad. It's not enough. It doesn't hurt enough for you to start doing something else. But it's also not what you want. But you so see people around worse. you doing that. That's the that's the weird part. When you see people that have accepted that reality and you're like, is this really like, <laughs> yeah. you know, is this really like what you're going to do with your life? If you're going to ac accept this mediocrity or I don't know what the word is, like this content, like that you're doing something that you're kind yeah. of okay with. So, yeah, I mean, the the, the cold climate, the the kind of shitty weather, we can, well, we're both relatable there. Um, the traveling to Are Europe. Are you in Canada, right? Yeah, I'm in Canada. Fuck, buddy. It's, it's <laughs> six months of the year. This place is uninhabitable i tell people they don't believe me but hey i know i went to spain and i had some spanish people telling me how they love snow and now they want to come here i'm like are you out of your mind you would die out here i'd have to bury you in the snow are you crazy like you wouldn't survive out here they like snow for two weeks <laughs> they, they don't like they like the idea of snow they don't they don't yeah, like yeah. the idea of living with snow but anyways yeah so so once you started going into data analytics how do you you said you didn't do a, a degree specifically in data analytics how did you transition into specifically that um, so I guess that was through my traineeship. I, the traineeship was pretty, uh, how would you say this? It wasn't like a big traineeship. Like they, they already had a lot of structures and rules and, and processes in place. It was about a 
they had about 20, 30 trainees when I started there. And when I left, they had about 100. So they did grow a lot. Uh, so they were pretty flexible. Like I, I could talk to the director or the, the owner of the traineeship and say, you know what? I would love to go in the data analytics uh, direction if possible. So we kind of had that discussion because that seems like something that would be interesting. And the funny thing is, so I then got an offer to work at this uh, company that builds infrastructure for telecom companies. So optic fibers, uh, mobile antennas, 5G antennas. And and it was like, yeah, you're going to build dashboards, dashboards and reports. And at that time, I thought, oh, no, but I don't want to just do dashboards. I like, I also like talking to people. I like having meetings. Like in my head, I, I still had the idea, okay, I want to be a manager. That's like uh, a big goal I one day want to hit. And then once I started working, he was like, yeah, yeah, sure. You can, uh, you're in the middle. You have to build dashboards, but you have also have to talk with stakeholders. So no worries. And then I started that thing. And then I realized that, well, how should I put this? Like the dashboards and they're building the reports and doing the data analysis was actually the coolest part because, well, people suck. Yeah, of course. <laughs> At least like, like that, that's where I find out like, hey, there's this thing called meetings and you have a lot of them and 99% of them are worthless waste, and yeah, you have to waste listen. of time. And that's where I realized, man, data and analytics are actually awesome because that's where like i put my put on my headphones put on some i don't know lo-fi hip-hop and just leave me alone and then i work for three days and then i get tired of the of the numbers and i'm like i, I just can't work with numbers yeah, anymore yeah, yeah. and that's where i switch switch to people again and i'm like okay this is the dashboard a new new iteration of a dashboard whatever let's talk let's use it and then that's where i like uh, have the feeling i want to talk to people again and once i get sick of the people again <laughs> back to back the computers to yeah Exactly. Was there is there a lot of downtime to work on other things? Obviously, to pursue side hobby, side interests in that kind of work. Well, I, I think the first couple of years not so much because it was all new to me and like right. like you're the new guy, so everything comes your way, and it was just not a lot of time. But then eventually, I slowly started also automating my own stuff and and things, so I could have a few. I would say 30 minutes uh, here and there to yeah. work on my own stuff, listen to a podcast, whatever. And, but especially now with the working from home the last year, I mean, my time was really flexible. Like right. I, I knew just what I had to finish and bef like I had a deadline and nobody cared if I worked eight hours straight, if I worked two hours, then two hour break, two hours. So I was really flexible in my time. And of course I used that time to, uh, to work on my YouTube, to do other stuff. Uh, I still finished my work. But yeah, just... of course, of course. I mean, yeah, I don't, I, I don't like the culture, especially here in North America. It's a lot of forty hours, regardless of what you're doing. You're here for forty hours. You're in a cubicle for why? If I'd finished my work in five, would I just stay for three hours and look like an idiot? Like, what do we? Like, it's like this weird game we play with, like with yeah. the company and the and the employee. But um, where does the passion for like content making? Where like you guys, I see a lot of. There's a little bit of comedy in videos, and I, you know, where does that stuff come from? So I think it started. Uh, I was about probably 12. Uh, there was this group in Holland, two guys that started making videos. This was maybe around the YouTube time when YouTube started, maybe even before, I don't know. And they the, uh, they had an English name. It was called Master Movies. And what they did was basically, uh, they did voiceovers over like famous movies like The Matrix, uh, Baywatch, gotcha. Terminator, whatever. But it was, it was so funny. They went like viral, but going viral at the time, it was like, 
there was no YouTube, there was no Instagram, there was no Twitter. Viral was just, hey, have you heard of Master Movies? Right. And they have this website, mastermovies.com, and that's it. And they made these awesome movies, and then they started making movies themselves, and it kind of inspired me. My, my parents had this, uh, I don't know, Sony cam with, with a flip-out screen. That, yeah, yeah, you know, like this. every fucking Serbian like My dad is exactly yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> With the mini cassettes. <laughs> exactly. I yeah. still have it. It's like a relic now, I feel like. we holding the camera. Now it's cool. Now it's vintage. <laughs> yeah, now it's vintage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you started making videos with that? Yeah, doing kind of pranks and and also kind of like jackass kind of style things. Like I would have a cactus in my room and I would film my friends who would hit the cactus <laughs> for like stupid, stupid stuff. Right. But it was like, imagine doing that. Like if, if YouTube started then and I would just upload shit like that, pff, who knows what could have been made out of that yes like, uh, but anyways I, I did that for a time and then i probably hit puberty and girls started being more interesting and didn't do anything with that anymore and <laughs> yeah i guess it took me for people that are not know, 15, uh, for people that are listening he's a good looking man so when i tell my girlfriend about this podcast she's not gonna be listening um actually i'll let her listen <laughs> audio only audio only for this one thank you anyways carry on <laughs> No, but I was actually a really shy guy. Really? Oh, I, I, was, I was interested in girls, but they were not so interested in fair, me. Fair, <laughs> fair. Um, no, so I guess I, it, it kind of faded away. Like I also picked up... No, there was around the same time I did skateboarding, but then, yeah, studying, just didn't have any time for it. It just faded away like most hobbies do when you grow up. Right. But it was a couple of years ago, and actually it's... But it's funny because there was a real defining moment why I picked up content creating because a good friend of mine, uh, also, uh, he's from Bosnia. Uh, he picked up a camera. He actually bought a camera for his girlfriend to make some cool pictures. It was a kind of Fuji camera. She used it exactly twice and then she never touched the camera again. So he started picking up the camera, started making cool pictures. He asked me if we want to hang out, chill out. And then he brought his camera and started making some pictures. I was like, whoa like it's such a simple camera with this really simple lens and the pictures were awesome and then i like he told me yeah you can even uh edit the the the, the shades and everything in lightroom and the whole world yeah, opened up huge. and i was like i was like yeah maybe I'll, I'll buy a small camera for my instagram photos i like making photos but i did everything with my phone so i bought a camera started making photos and like in one or two weeks i i, I thought to myself yeah but i can also make videos again like what I used to yeah, do 15 yeah, yeah. years ago. Right, right. And it was like from photos to videos. And I, I just went, went walking around in the neighborhood, just making some videos. And then the whole YouTube world opened up like uh, how to do speed ramps, how to do transitions, how right. to do sound effects. And like this, I went down this rabbit hole. And then I just started creating with, with the idea, like I'll, I'll just start a YouTube channel and uh, I'll just publish some stuff that I like doing, kind of travel related videos. And then the ball got rolling and as the subscribers came, as the viewers came, I was like, okay, maybe it can be more than a hobby. Maybe it can be a side project. And now it's a side project and maybe I can build a life based around this. Is the plan to go fully YouTube your own channel stuff or is there another business idea around that that would work? Because it's really tough, even if you have a big enough audience. It's really tough to have consistency and views and ad revenue. And there's so many hidden variables there that it's, it's really yeah. hard to base it around one source of income like that, especially something as volatile as YouTube. YouTube is like cryptocurrency. It's like, you never know how it's going to yeah. be. Oh, good question. Yeah. So like, I mean, long-term, I don't want to be dependable just in YouTube. I, it would be stupid because I don't know if you've seen one of the latest videos that why I quit my job. And like one of the reasons was I don't want to be dependable on one stream of income. 
So if I would just be dependable on YouTube, I would just trade data analysis for YouTube, which doesn't make any sense. But I do think YouTube is a great platform to start building your brand. And like, for me, this is now the best way I can do. Apparently, my videos have some value. Uh, I've tried TikTok as well, but that format just doesn't work for me. I don't get as much engagement Same. as you with YouTube. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to use YouTube to build a brand. Eventually, I want to spread out my audience on Twitter as well, on Instagram as well. Uh, so that I just have an online presence, maybe make, make my own website eventually with a newsletter. Uh, but for now, for the coming one, two, three years, just YouTube after that. Yeah. Just to be honest, see, I still have to think about it, but see what's out there. I, yeah. I a lot of people, I think when they want to go into YouTube full time, they think, uh, they see a one route, they see a, Oh, I have to be the next PewDiePie. I have to be the next whatever Logan Paul. But the thing is that I've learned from my experience is not necessarily. There's so many different ways to, to go about this. So my story is a little bit different. So I started um, doing my engineering job. It's kind of boring, soulless. The first engineering jobs are usually extremely easy because no one really trusts you. No one wants to. Yours sounds like it was opposite. For engineering, no one trusts you. No one wants to give you any work because yeah. we're talking about automotive industry. There's a lot of money involved. There's a lot of, you know, if you fuck up, someone's going to know. So for the first, like, I don't know, three to months to a year, they don't want to give you too much responsibility. So you're stuck in this weird little kind of dead zone where you want to learn, but they don't want to trust you. You want to go ask questions, mm -hmm. but you don't want to seem like you don't have anything to do. So it's like you're in this weird um, kind of area. So anyways, from that, I started like making my own videos, making it was stupid. It was like FIFA videos to start with, playing the yeah, video yeah. game. It was FIFA content, and it was abysmal. The first couple of videos, I always say like to anyone that watched that, like even if it was my friends, thank you so much. Those were horrendous. I, I think yeah. those are like forms of torture now that would be banned in the Geneva <laughs> Convention if, if someone had to watch my first FIFA videos. But from there, you learn a little bit. You get a little bit of experience. You get like, okay, you understand, okay, this video did well. I had a good title or let's go down a good thumbnail or this video, one video would go viral, one video would do well. And over time, you slowly build this like a little resume of, of videos. And you're learning a little bit about the inside of YouTube, social media, whatever, if you're also marketing on other places. And then as my journey continued through engineering and I, I kind of started realizing that like, this isn't going to be a long-term plan for me. I always, I always put YouTube on the side, like, Hey, maybe this will turn out. I still, I love doing it. It's not, I don't see this as a, a job outside of my job. I see this as a hobby that I love doing. Yeah. Um, as I was about to go to Spain and get a master's in engineering, cause I just wanted a change of scenery. I said, you know what, why don't we just look at some jobs that are related to content creation? Because that's a massive new space. There's social media manager jobs, there are video editor jobs. Um, there's a there's TikTok editors, all kinds of jobs that people don't even think about. Companies want to be hip, they want to be cool, they want to start making content. You you let a 50 year old old guy that has a multi million dollar industry make content, that's a disaster. That's never gonna work. So they yeah, want yeah. someone that's a little bit. Anyways, so as I'm applying for these jobs, I kind of put together like a resume of what I've done just through my own stuff. Like I've had a few viral videos, I've you know had a few viral tweets, whatever the whatever it was it was nothing crazy. But yeah. I started getting more interviews in in YouTube-related jobs than I did with engineering with three years of experience, which was... Just by having that, those videos as a backup? That's it. Yeah. And and I the reason it's so valuable is, one, it shows like you can do it on your own. I don't need to babysit you when I hire you. Like, I know you know what mm -hmm. you're doing. Whereas engineering, even if I was a great, like, grade-A student, it doesn't matter. I go into any engineering job first, I know nothing. Every product is different. You can go into any yeah. job and it's always different. I used to make, I actually have it right here. I used to make these little, uh, or work on these little um, sensors that go in a car. 
Okay. So when a car gets in an accident, it's like a little sensor that uh, sends a signal to your airbags to deploy. That's it. This little. Ah, okay, okay. We would spend years <laughs> making this little fucking thing. It's like there's so many. Like you have to test this for like a year. You have to design it. There's so many safety things that go through it. It was kind of fun at some points, but then. Uh, like you said, your job, there's a lot of bureaucracy. There was a lot of stuff that, like, I don't want to be in a meeting at 7 a.m. with, you know, this. like, I don't even have to be here. Just send an email. What the fuck are we doing? But yeah, yeah. the point of that story was, like, there's so many different ways to go about it. And maybe even if this is something that you haven't thought about, you can probably get a job being a social media manager for 100K. Or you can get a part-time job if, you, if you're ever in a, in a situation where you need money. Like, you've built a resume from your own videos, yeah. which is incredible. Yeah. Just... Uh, to my to understand what it, so you do YouTube now and have this podcast and what do you do on the side right now also content or uh, so, social so, media marketing. so now the the do this podcast on the side just for fun this is my hobby I used to make feed mm -hmm. videos I now make crypto content for this crypto tax company okay cool. and then I'm trying to cool. maybe even get to some um, consulting because there's a lot of opportunities there like I've helped random people that have like personalities or they're good at something but they've never made content like hey let's figure out how we can make content for you. Like I, I, you're, you have a lot of things to share. There's like this, um, for example, there's this, um, older video game developer guy. He made age of empires. He worked on mm -hmm. doom. Like he has so many crazy stories to tell, but he never really made content. Like he, he, he has a lot of stories. So, okay, let's figure out thumbnails, figure out how you're going to advertise, how, you know, what kind of videos you're going to make, you know, what kind of style you're going to make. Awesome. So like, there's, there's so many opportunities. I, I just, I feel like people really have this weird notion that you have to go, zero to a hundred or you have to throw this like massive home run you know every time and i don't think that's the reality i get it so you don't do anything with engineering anymore right one year clean engineering there's, a, there's <laughs> and a, how, <laughs> there used to be a degree there it, by the way now i just said is that is that kramer, yeah, kramer yeah. <laughs> that's fucking awesome seinfeld's like my favorite show yeah. easily legend yeah uh, uh, wait, what did I want to ask? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, how does it feel after one year? Best decision ever, or Dude, uh, doubts? It, or oh my god, it's I feel like I took a massive dump. Like I've been holding in for years. I don't know how to describe it. Like I used to commute an hour to yeah. to work every day, so that's ten hours a week on on the road. I used to wake up at like six because I worked in the states. Have a meeting at seven, whatever it was. I, you know, have a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of people to report to, a lot of pointless stuff that I didn't like doing. Yeah, I work from home. I put on my pajamas. I, I make videos. Like it's super easy. And, there, and, and the worst <laughs> part is all I see opportunity. There's opportunities left and right coming up from from this that I never saw in engineering. Engineering is like you put your head down. In five years, maybe you'll get manager. Put your head down. Five years, yeah, maybe yeah. You'll, like it's so. It's a you're cog in a wheel. Whereas here, it's like I feel like I'm actually doing something I want to do. Exactly. So you've just quit. That's right? awesome. You've just quit your job, right? Yeah. So last Christmas, last Christmas, and. <laughs> no, uh, so going to consulting, like right? That wasn't to quit your job. Like you didn't quit the field entirely. You went to consulting, or right? Yeah. So first, I worked full time. The last employer I worked full time for was the Heineken, the beer, uh, which was awesome, by the way. But that's where I like realized this corporate world, nothing for me. So as I said uh, earlier, like I always had this idea: I want to be a manager at Heineken. I realized. I will never, ever in my life want to be a manager anymore <laughs> right. because, dude, those guys were so stressed out and yes. they worked so much. Like they, they would come to work at, I don't know, seven, eight in the morning. They would leave at six, seven in the evening and they would only have meetings the whole day and the actual work as in reading emails, replying to emails, making presentations, they would do in the evening. Like when they were supposed to be with their families, they would 
to do the actual work. Like if I if I had uh, some communication with my manager, send him an email, I would always get a reply at around 10, 11 in the evening. It's like that was their life. That was their life. Yeah. And uh, that's where I realized like, nah, nah. And that's where I quit my job. So I just, uh, yeah, worked at Heineken, quit my job, started working as a freelancer, contractor, whatever you want to call it. Started working for a bank. And this was already such a relief. So it was like a big step in the right direction because now I can choose my own projects. I can, if I want to go on a holiday whenever I want, I go on holiday whenever I want. Uh, much more flexibility and control over your own income time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was even, yeah, for one year, I worked uh, 50% of my time for the bank, 50% of the time for a different company. Uh, they did online auctioning, which was pretty interesting. Um, but in the meantime, I already knew 2022, I'm going to quit my job, give myself one year to just focus on YouTube, see if I can manage to build a life around this. And I'm currently in the middle of this process. So let's see. I mean, worst case scenario at the end of this year, I'll probably pick up some kind of data analysis project again, but then maybe not look at the money that much, but like really look at the company at the project itself. Like, is this something cool I want to work on? Uh, Have you sold everything and you're just on the road kind of now? No. So we still have our house, but I'm renting it out. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Because when I worked at Heineken, they had pretty good salaries. I could get it. Like if, if I were to quit my job and start as a freelancer, I would need five years of proof of income before I could buy a house. So I wow. worked at Heineken at a pretty decent pay, got a mortgage, and I quit my job because like, right. okay, now that's I don't. Brilliant. Which also yeah, doesn't yeah, make that's sense. That's so hilarious. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. But anyways, it's I have same my here. House. It's same here. Yeah. It's stupid. Yeah. But I mean, you can exploit it as in kind of what i did now maybe it's risky i don't know but i mean i live in amsterdam the housing market is crazy you can always rent out your house so even if i cannot pay it anymore because i don't have any right. job i can always rent it out right interesting okay sorry you were saying something yours yeah I, I, what was the question again i, I started like, uh, you were talking about how you just quit and you're giving it a year you're trying it a year and oh, yeah. what's the plan yeah so a year like I made this plan a couple of years ago that this year we're going to start traveling. And I kind of made like, uh, did some calculations like, okay, how much money do I need? How much do I want to, how much income do I want to have with YouTube to sustain myself? And yeah, that's it, man. For now, this is the plan. This is the plan for this year. Just focus on YouTube. And slowly as the year progresses, of course, I will have to start thinking about next year. Like, okay, am I going to go YouTube? Am I going to go back to data analysis? Will be some kind of combination? Yeah, but for now, gone. The one thing that you really brought up that was interesting, the stress levels of people around you. I noticed the same thing in engineering. Automotive is the same way. I kind of looked, and I kind of want to, I'll maybe in the future want to make a video about some signs that you like, you probably should be also looking into getting the hell out of there. Because I know you made a video about that, but maybe I'll make one specific for like engineering. But I noticed like everyone around me, it was just like so stressed out and all the time. They would come into work early, they would leave late. So I would think like, hey, they're doing this. That must mean that by the end of the day, they're done. They clocked out. They did more than a more than above and above what they need to do. But no, these people kept working. And like yeah, into yeah. the evening, they would check messages. Um, they would, like you said, like they wouldn't see their family as much. They would lose sleep. And these were people that were, let's say, three to five years in front of me, like in experience. And, in, you know, I was like, is this the, <laughs> this is what I'm working towards? Like. Okay, I'm gonna make yeah. another 20k, but I'm not gonna see my family on <laughs> on weekends. What's the fucking point? What did I win? Did I win the lottery here. <laughs> so hard to understand those kind of people. 
And like, like on the one end, it's easy to understand because, okay, they want to grow inside the company. They want to prove themselves so they can get sure. some kind of promotion or whatever. But I mean, there's so many better ways to do this. Sure. Uh, so, okay, you get paid eight, for eight hours a day and you decide to work more than eight hours. You don't get paid, but maybe at the end of the year during your uh, year review, performance review, they would say, yeah, you did a great job. Here's a, I don't know, three, four, five percent raise with current inflation situation. That's nothing. You're going backwards in salary. But anyways, it's a different, like these are crazy times. So that doesn't count. But anyways, so you work your ass off more, a couple of hours extra per day, a couple of hours that you could have used uh, uh, spending time with your family, working on your health, working on side projects. No, you decide to do this for a couple of percent, like a couple of uh, three, four, five Sets percent on the more dollar, income. As they say. Yeah. Yeah. But you could have also used that extra time, let's say two hours a day to work on YouTube, for example, or to do whatever. And you could have made much, much, much more money do something you get to do whatever you want something you like which is not so stressful or whatever or or read books or listen to podcasts or invest in crypto whatever you want to do but no you decide to put in the extra hours and the extra stress in the job you already do for that three four five percent which i like yeah. it's crazy I, I read um tim ferris's four-hour work week and i think mm -hmm. at one point he's talking about how these people get into this cycle and to no to no fault of their own they're trying to be this you know this high-performing employee to work their way up to the company. And then uh, many people have this realization, like let's say two to five years, like when they finally are forced into taking some time off. Wait, what the fuck? What am I doing again? I'm 30-something yeah. and like I've, I've just lost through two years. I haven't like done anything in my free time for the last couple of years for what? What, I got an extra yeah. 10K? Like I can buy... But that's like, I don't know. To me, that's a really weird like human psychology thing where you're unsatisfied with your job so you continue trying to get more money to maybe buy something that you don't need it's like this cycle yeah. that you can't get out of and that, that scared me the most because i thought like if i become this like i don't care what anyone says i'm a failure in my eyes like i don't care if my parents think i'm the holy shit this guy my son he's got a master's and he's making hundred yeah. <laughs> i'm not happy like that Give were your back. parents receptive to your career path switch and and you know how you felt about all that well now they are, but they like when I when I finished studying and when I said I, I was going to go backpacking, they were like, okay, they had mixed feelings. It was really, you know, of course, on, uh, of course. <laughs> of course. So like, oh, three months in the on the other side of the world. But no, they were really happy for me. But when I came back, so I came back uh, and I had this kind of small startup that was like the first thing I kind of started up. It was to explain really short. Uh, I washed cars. On location nice. so instead of people having to go to how do you say this in english washing street uh, no, i don't know uh, car wash car wash car yeah wash, yeah uh we would come to you so you would be at work or at home and you would just call us and we would come by and wash your car like on the on the spot and cool idea uh i had some customers but i just yeah it wasn't like my passion was to to just be an entrepreneur and not to wash cars so kind of faded away. But then when I came back from the from the backpacking, I told my mom, yeah, I want to pick that up again. I want to focus on that. And she was like, like my mom is always like, she's the pessimist. I would sure, say. Like, sure, of course. Oh, if you don't get your job now, you, you're going to waste time. You don't have any experience. Uh, then you would have studied for nothing and you have to get a job as quick as possible. So, okay, I listened to her. I, uh, I got my first job, that recruitment job. And that's where I realized Okay, this is definitely not one of those things I want to do. I can 
right, right, right. check that off. I'm going to quit this job and I'm going to pursue this traineeship. But the funny thing was, like, I was so done with that job because it was really, really not for me. And I, I told my mom, like, I'm going to quit this job. I already had my first interview with this traineeship. I have a good feeling about it that I will get the job. And she was like, no, you have to wait until you get the job before you can quit this job. I was like, I can't do it. Also, when I have the second interview, it will probably be during work. I don't know. I don't have any days off anymore. I'm going to quit my job now. I have some money that I've saved up for over the last two months. I have to quit. I'm like, you got to basically, you're going to be a homeless guy. You won't have any money. What are you going to do? And that's where I decided, okay, it's also time for me to just move out, right, right. find my own spot in Amsterdam. I got the traineeship. Nice, yeah. And that's where I kind of uh, do my own thing. So they were really hesitant about that decision. And when I started freelancing, my dad was like, yeah, go for it. Because he actually, he's already been doing it for a couple of years. And my mom was like, yeah, but you only have two, three years of experience. You need a lot more experience. And and I told her, yeah, that's what I thought as well. But then I look at my friends and, and I read some things online. And basically, I, I don't like... I'm not going to quit my job before I find a freelance project and right, then I right, just right. accept the freelance project and go for it. In the end, it was the best decision ever. And she re- realized this as well. And then when I told her about the traveling and I'm going to go YouTube, she was like, yeah, as a hobby, you mean? <laughs> I said, no, I want to go full time. <laughs> so again, but now, now that she's seen a couple of my videos and she sees that I'm actually here traveling, right. she's like, yeah, the proudest mom in the world. Blah, blah. So yeah, there's always some hesitance and doubt but it's tough. The, it's tough to do. Like if you put them, put yourself in their shoes, and you know your kid gives up on education or gives up a hundred k, hundred fifty k, whatever your job was, and yeah. I don't know how your background is or my parents, but my parents that kind of money they they will not see if you know because they keep working for the rest of their lives. Like that's that's salaries that most yeah. people don't see. So I, I can see from their perspective, but I think the ultimate blessing is if your parents say something like, "Hey, I I see that you're unhappy," like, and I'm I'm. I'm fully aware of that more so than the money that's coming in or the prestige because if fucking foreign parents are all the same, oh, I get to call my son an yeah, engineer. Exactly. And they have when they have a little girl party. Oh, like well, my son, you know, he finished the master's. Yeah, but it's crazy. You're, yeah, you're it's so silly. That. It's so silly. Like yeah. it's so funny, but like it's I see their perspective. I think for my parents yeah. it was something similar. It was like I had a viral video or something. I had something like holy shit, like a million people saw this or whatever it was. And the reaction was always like, well, how much money did it make? I'm like. Yeah. like bro i'm sorry i didn't monetize i mean i didn't have fucking even the, i couldn't even monetize the video what do you mean <laughs> a million video okay. uh, a million people watching the video so here's the moment where actually like they started slow i started slowly noticing the switch flip when i made a video with my dad i made a, a viral video with my dad so i have a video okay. where i did um a drone shot of me and my friends playing uh this pylon game that kind of looks like a fifa mini game and I added okay. some special effects to it and After Effects afterwards, and okay. then I, it looks literally like the video game. You, if you're if you're walking by it in the store and it's playing on the TV, it looks like it's a video game. So okay. I, yes. <laughs> so I made this video, and at the end of the video, I was like, "This is really good. Like, I, this is going to be viral 100." percent But let's try to see go if we can go one more level. So I, I set the game up. I set the video up. It's not even a game. I bring my PS4. I put it in front of the TV, and I have a controller that's not even plugged in. I'm just like playing like this. And my dad's walking by, and I caught, put the camera in, like, the perfect spot. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, like the new FIFA on, on 4K, Dad. Have you seen this? It looks unreal. He sits down, starts watching it. <laughs> For the first, like, minute and a half, he's like, this is amazing. These graphics are, like, we have to buy a new TV. Like, 
Oh shit! I need to see this. Video. I, I'll send it to you. And then his reaction when he realizes, I'm like, dude, that's Mar- like that man. That's Marco. It's my friend. You know him. He's like, oh Marco, yes, <laughs> the Marco. Oh, that's awesome. That's so, a great idea. And then when that video went, like it was number one in our our FIFA. And he sees all the mm. comments like, "Oh, your dad's so funny!" Like, "Oh, your dad's like made the video." I'm like, "This is this. This is it. This is the moment. This is the turning point." The eye opener. The eye opener. It's like, dude, I can do something this, and I'm, I'm I like this more, and I'm better at it. Like, there's potential here. You just have to give me time. And then, once the job comes in, which it did, thank God, it it was like, okay, are they paying you? Yeah, they're they're paying me. It's like, did you check your bank account? I'm like, yeah, no, it's money. The money's there. Like, <laughs> okay, it's go good. We're good. Yeah, okay, do whatever you want to do. Go have fun. <laughs> go have fun. But, but that's good. That's good that they eventually did switch. Like, okay, of course, I understand that you need some money to sustain yourself, to to have some buffer to always fall back on. And then just do what makes you happy. That's the yeah. most important, right? You can't expect people that's to awesome. have the same vision or have the same like idea that you have. Because we all have such a spectrum of, of thoughts and, and ways to go around things. Like when you tell someone, like one of your friends or someone close to you, obviously they'll understand. But when you tell someone maybe outside your circle, hey... I quit a 150k job to make videos on the internet. What's the reaction? Like, what do, what do people think? So, so most of like, I didn't talk with my friends about my income. And also, just to be clear, like, it sounds like a lot of money, but that's before tax, obviously. Yeah, so, you, and Alan likes to, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> half of it, half of gone. it is gone. Plus, you have to pay your own costs. Like, I don't have a pension. I don't have any, if I'm sick, I don't get anything. If I, go on a vacation Fair, i don't get anything yeah. so you, you have to have a lot of buffers and everything i decided to build my pension around crypto <laughs> as a real set but that's also right. why i like freelance you have more control over your income uh anyways going off on a rent no yeah, that's so what the podcast friend, about I, if you ever go off rants we're good that's 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 why i'm having the support i might get another one <laughs> um so I didn't talk about my income that much with friends. Some friends, like I, w- I would talk about hourly rates and then they could do the calculations themselves. But so, yeah, I mean, most of my, most of my friends, like I, I warmed everyone up with the idea of I'm going to quit my job and then start traveling and focusing on YouTube. So everyone was like, okay, yeah, he's probably, he's going to do it. <laughs> but when I made the video, like with the, in the thumbnail, I quit my $170,000 job. Uh, I had some friends like, dude, I didn't know you were making that much money. But in the comments, like people that didn't know me, people, oh man, the people are a strange, weird place. Like, the internet's a weird place. Oh, Everyone's got man. their two I, cents and they're all wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you, fu- like there were people basically saying, "You fucking idiot! You, you, you're <laughs> gonna quit this job for fucking YouTube." Uh, you, uh, and then they 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 would say, "We're just fair." The same thing, like you're still gonna be dependent on the platform, but they, they didn't realize like sure. it's about building a brand, and I'm using YouTube as one of the ways to do it. And then there's also people just calling me straight out liar. Like, uh, you live in Holland and make $170,000. The bet my favorite. Sherlock Holmes comments. These guys that think they fucking see all the fucking thi- Like, oh yeah, he's lying about the number. The number doesn't add up. Got, like, <laughs> don't, don't listen to this guy. He's fucking scamming you. you don't believe everything. Like, dude, why the fuck? Would, and, and it tells me everything and what I need to know about them. Like, right. you probably don't make 170000 okay? right. So in your reality, it's like, there's something... It was for me as well, but like, yeah, I'm not fucking lying. Why, why would I lie about that? Why, like, what kind of comments would I have more? Um, the comments are my favorite. That's what makes the internet go around. I made a video about FIFA, which is, or EA, which is one of the most evil companies on the planet that, like, even my mom knows, like, EA is pretty evil. Like, it's not like, I'm not yeah. saying something controversial here, but you'll have comments like, this is such a lie. I can't believe you talked about the, like, my are you an EA shill? What what is this? Is it? I didn't even know this was a thing. Like, there's people that defend EA. Like, what is going on here? What are we doing? 
probably have employers yeah. at EA just <laughs> commenting on everyone. I, and apparently, yeah, the video went and it was posted in the EA forums and uh, one of the employees took it down because it had a mention of scripting. Like, you know what scripting is? Yeah, yeah. It's like a part of the game that people think is like already predetermined. But my thing in the, in the video was like, what do you think about scripting? And I left a poll. Like, do you believe in scripting? And it was like 94% said yes. Like, out of 30,000 votes, when this one, YouTube had polls. And that was the big controversy in a 41-minute video that had, like, another billion other problems that you, these guys didn't want to address. But no, no, that's, the video lost all credibility there. It's like, where, where are these? Because people voted. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. YouTube yeah. comments are a great time. Crazy, crazy. That, that's also one of the things I really needed to, like, that with my last viral video, I had one semi-viral video before that, which was, Okay, I would say 99% was positive and 1% was just some some negative comments here and there. But this one got a, was a bit more triggering because I talked about salary sure. and it's also immediately a mirror for some people like, whoa, I don't make that much money. Or, what am I doing in my life kind of moment? Yeah, exactly. Right. So it triggered a lot more people. And that's where I realized like, like I only have good intentions with the video. I literally, literally quit my job like the whole point of the video is, yeah, I had a really good job and now I quit all that because I want to pursue my dreams. And here's the lessons I've learned that made me do that. Hopefully can help you. And people would bash me, <laughs> right. fucking idiot, <laughs> liar. And, and that, that's the moment I realized, okay, I have to fi find a way to manage all these these comments and everything. But I, because I really, like, you know, Gary, Gary V. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, of course. And he's all like, eh, engagement, just I respond to as much people as possible. And I'm, I want to be like that as well. Like, I like, talk to the people and if someone has a question i try to answer as many as possible but then you also have to go through all the negative yeah, bullshit, yeah. which which of course like sticks way Human more nature, than the positive yeah. stuff yeah i think the best but yeah so i have to find a system i think the best route is to what i've figured is like take negativity and positivity the same like they're a flat yeah. line they don't mean anything even though 95 percent exactly. of comments are positive your human nature will dictate towards the negative ones. But if you perceive negative and positive as the same, it's like you're not reinforced by someone. You don't supply. You don't need this dopamine hit of, hey, yeah. great fucking video, dude. I really love you. You're like, oh, my God, really? You like my video? That's awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, like, you yeah. get so attached no, to the just, idea. Just go flat out like, fuck this. Like, thank you. I'm glad. That's the best way. I have an automated. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Just... <laughs> no, that's the best way. I agree. I agree. When you're making content now, like, I'm, I'm really curious because you're making all kinds of different content and it is niche content but it's not necessarily niche because you're talking about so many different topics and youtube has become a very niche place and this is something i'm currently struggling with as well i'm kind of trying to figure out how to shift into finding a niche and really going if when you're when you don't have a niche you're kind of swimming against the current you're swimming it's really hard how do you find you know some videos do really well hundred thousand fifty thousand some videos a couple thousand how are you figuring out the, the kind of content you're making Good question. Yeah, that, I had a call yesterday with the with this other YouTuber. So cool thing is we started. She reached out to me when she had about five thousand subscribers and me as well. Like, hey, want to do this monthly call? Just talk about YouTube. I need someone to, Bounce to ideas relate to. Yeah, yeah. And now she has like fifty five thousand subscribers, and I obviously had some growth as well. And we talked about this yesterday, like the struggle of. So in the beginning, it's just experiment. What do I like? Oh God, I like these kind of videos and these kind of videos and it's all over the right. place. And then you're slowly starting to get a picture of like, okay, but what does my audience want? And now, I'm to be fair, I'm just in the middle of the process of finding that overlap. Like I know a couple of stuff, stuff that 
my audience likes and that I kind of like creating, but I don't want to be stuck in this box that, so for example, the data analysis video, apparently data analysis is like one of the hot trending topics on YouTube right now. And apparently the YouTube algorithm has labeled me as, okay, this guy makes cool data analysis videos. Mm. Because as soon as I have data analysis in the title, thumbnail or description, my video go at least gets more uh, views than the other videos. Gotcha. But do but like the whole point of me quitting my data analysis job is so I can leave <laughs> right, that behind. Right. And now and now I have to keep creating data analysis videos to go viral. So I'm looking for like um, that's why I made the video. I quit my data analysis job and now I'm doing this. So right. it's it's kind of my my bridge from data analysis to what I'm doing right now. So that's one of the things I'm definitely gonna keep doing. Like I'm gonna ride the wave of data analysis topic for now. It's a, but it's on a, the other it's a really hand, tough one. Yeah, it's a really tough situation for any YouTuber. When, especially when you're starting out. Yeah, eventually you'll you'll figure out a way. But I think that's also a challenge along the way. What if, uh, let's say you have 300,000 subscribers and you decide like, okay, this I don't, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Now, right. now I'm stuck in this box. Like When your other job becomes you... your YouTube job, essentially. When you're that moment. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a challenge, yeah. I'm still figuring it out along the way. So the funny thing is, that's also what I discussed yesterday. Like I started traveling. So I had this idea in my mind, okay, I'm going to start traveling. So I better use this like to my advantage. Right. I'm traveling. I'm going to make travel videos as well. And then, so I started kind of, kind of doing these, these vlogs and I, it has nothing to do with data analysis. It has nothing to do with personal development, what I was doing before. And I don't know. I had this pressure like uh, last month I was in Bangkok and at the end of the month, I didn't do as much recording of Bangkok as I wanted to. Like I, in my head, I had plans for videos like top 10 things to do in Bangkok. Uh, uh, how much does food cost in Bangkok? And then I just realized like, am I suddenly a am travel, I a travel channel? channel? Right. You have this moment. Can I make these videos? Am I supposed to, am I allowed to make as my audience going to like these videos? Exactly. And I realized, no, I don't want to make this. It doesn't <laughs> right. matter if I'm Bangkok. I'm, I'm go- of course, I'm going to use Bangkok to my advantage, uh, advantage and make cool shots, but I'm still going to talk about the things I want to talk about. But now with back- Bangkok as an add-on, it, it shouldn't be the main focus of my of my channel suddenly. Right. Do you like that side of YouTube, that it's become so niche? And, and I, back in the old days of YouTube, you can kind of be a personality. And I don't know if you know, if you remember the Serbian guy, Danny, Gradual Report, used to make funny videos. Why does it sound so familiar? Serbian guy. Um, Yeah, he was on the podcast a while while ago, and and I was interested because he he started YouTube in a much different time. He was literally just a personality, a funny person. He made a lot of funny videos. Like he can, and he can. Yeah, look it up. This was pre-algorithm days. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you you know Danny. What was it? The cursing in Serbian or something video? Yes. This was pre-algorithm days of YouTube, where you can kind of make almost anything once he acquired that subscriber base whatever video he uploaded it goes in the channel and youtube was not as flooded as this day this guy's a funny guy i want to watch what he's uploading and he made all kinds of content yeah but do you, do you think that there's no more of that i think it's extremely difficult i don't i can't think of many people that have unless we're talking about super high level like pewdiepie we're talking about people with like 100 million subscribers. and even they once they get to that range of 100 plus million subscribers that video only gets like two to four million, which for them is kind of low if you think about how much people are actually subscribed. Yeah. That's what, a hundredth of their audience almost? It's like, it's crazy. Like it, it, That's why the niche thing is really tough and, and finding a niche is really, 
And also, once you find the niche, like you said, like, <laughs> just keep making data analyst quitting job videos. Like, what, what the hell do I do, right? You can only quit your yeah, data yeah. analyst job once. <laughs> <laughs> once, and that's it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. No, but I do think, I do think, like, in the end, that that's the whole... That's also one of the reasons I, I did this. I started this whole journey. Like, I can go on a very long rant here. Okay, the challenge, the challenge, as as of it, the, the challenge of the challenge of this. No, that the uniqueness. Like, when you start YouTube, of course, in the beginning, no one knows you, so you have to add some value, make either a tutorial or a very entertaining video, and people will start to get to know you. But in the end, it's your uniqueness, your style of creating videos, of editing, your personality that attracts people, and people stick to you. So. Although I do agree with you that you have to be in this niche, once you have a big enough following, there will always be people watching your videos because it's just you. Right. They're there for you and your vibe and your style. And uh, and that's, yeah, that's one of the, that's what I wanted to say. That's one of the reasons I started this whole journey because to be completely fair, I'm not the best data analyst in the world, far from it. And now with the whole working from home and globalization, I will have a lot of competition from India, from Russia, from guys right. all over the world that will be 100 million times better than me in data analysis won't be like it's beginning now it's beginning yeah, and yeah. will my job be secure in 20 30 years no i don't know i don't think so because there will be a lot smarter guys doing data analysis and sure. that are much better than me for a lower hourly rate but is there someone in the world who can be stefan better than me no i'm the only stefan right, right. in the world so if i try to manage a build uh build an audience based around my personality and my vibe and my videos i don't have any competition i don't see other youtube channels of competition you're just your own thing and yeah of course you have to start as a niche people have to get to know you like oh this is the data analysis guy but eventually that's at least what i hope that people will just stick around because of you right that that transition is really difficult because that's the one i yeah. had to deal with as well going from fifa i had like 20,000 or something so subscribers and I'm like okay this is the FIFA's a horrendous pile of garbage I don't want to, have to this is worse than my actual other engineering job playing this 24/7. Yeah. so I went into the podcast and some episodes do well some episodes don't do well uh, now the podcast is in a state where like I'm trying to figure out how to market it better because I have a crazy variety of guests but it's not I don't mm -hmm. want to do a niche podcast like I don't want to do a one thing podcast and it's like how do I how does how did that transition happen so like lately I've been thinking maybe turning it into like a career finder podcast because I've had like video game developers, UFC fighters, comedians, YouTubers, Olympians. I've had like the craziest, like a Joe Rogan-esque C tier, B tier yeah. list of guests. But how do I funnel that into like, I, I don't care if I have a massive subscriber base. It, the point is to get each of those videos to their niche, let's say. Yeah. Is, is, is a subscriber base as important as, you know, the algorithm views, which are 70% of, of your views anyways? True, true. I don't know. It's, it's a tough question. And this, this could change tomorrow. Like, you can build your whole career, let's say, on YouTube in a certain fashion. Next thing you know, YouTube changes their watch time algorithm. Because if you remember in the early days, it was about views. It wasn't about watch time. Yeah. So, like, that happened overnight. And now we're going back into YouTube shorts, where, like, YouTube shorts, again, are really popular because YouTube's trying to compete with TikTok. So, it's like, it, it's, a, it's a nightmare to juggle all these things, to me at least. Yeah, true. <laughs> and ironically, like, well, the reason I escaped the whole data analysis world is because like, I, I don't like being bossed around. I don't like, like what you said when you when you work in a big corporation. Like, there's this ladder you have to climb. That's it. Don't ask questions. This is the thing you have to do. But now with the YouTube algorithm changes, it's kind of the same thing. Like, right. oh, you want to make these kind of videos? No, 
<laughs> Good luck. Yeah. No one's gonna see that, or no one's gonna care. No one's gonna click. You have a different overlord. Yeah, yeah. Now it's uh, now it's an AI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyways, that not none of this doom gloom stuff. Tell me about the the traveling plan and and how's traveling during the pandemic. Best thing ever. Really? So I made like one of yeah yeah one of the first vlogs was called. But like when we started traveling, the first vlog I made was like, the, we picked the worst year ever for traveling. And then the whole plot twist in the video is like, no, we picked the best year ever for traveling. And it's really like that because on the one end, I could really distance myself from all the bullshit. Like I, I read the news and everything. And I follow the whole situation in Canada from my phone. Oh, you've seen it's my like Canada video. It's like not so much. You know, <laughs> what, what? I've seen my Canada video. I've seen your Canada it's not video great, as well. But but I, I, we're not doing well here. Anyways, yeah, carry on. Yeah. Well, I, hopefully it will be a turning point. But um, like if I were to be in Holland, like my friends would talk about it and like you, you would get sucked into this yes. uh, pit of COVID, uh, it's Russia. It's the number one Ukraine topic war. every day of your life for the past two years, which is crazy. Yeah. And now it's like, like you, uh, you know what, I'll just yeah, let me turn around. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> that, no COVID, no Russia, Ukraine right. invasions, whatever. No, like. <laughs> I'm distanced. You're invading so that, that that's beach tomorrow. That's what you're invading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about video scripting. Uh, right. Should I do a hike and bring my camera? Like that. That's the most important stuff I'm thinking about. And the other thing is, so Thailand is open. No, so there is a kind of a challenge in traveling during pandemic. It's you have to be really flexible. So you, we can't make, usually in normal times, I would have the coming half year probably booked from accommodation to plane tickets. Now we don't have anything planned for after March, but yeah. What was we'll the plan? Well, was the plan to stick around in like Asia, or was it to go all over the place? All originally, over so in the beginning, the okay. Yeah, so Thailand first three months, a couple of different spots, and then Bali two months, but then like the way way original plan was Australia, but there's no way I'm going there. Even Not after what up. they did to Joko, those fucks. I'll say <laughs> yeah, it. I don't yeah. care if I get canceled. Fucking carry on. <laughs> No, so Djokovic was also one of the things, but I mean, in general, the the way they handled you're not gonna get in there the with, whole... with ease, let's say. No, no. So then we thought about Japan, but Japan is still closed, Japan and we really want to nice. go to the. Japan is a different. You've been there, world. yeah, yeah. Japan is a different world. I would say, like the closest thing we have to aliens on Earth, because yeah, it feels like yeah, a different that's world. Okay. <laughs> I really, really look forward to going to Japan. I, yeah, it's expensive as fuck. I know, but like. It's worth it. It's I worth it. Go. I went to yeah. China, Japan, and Thailand like five years ago, and I just wish I went Japan, Thailand. <laughs> like the Japan was so nice. Oh my god, it, the people were on. They were so nice. People, actually, I say this to everyone: they're nicer than Canadians, and I'm not afraid to admit that. They had us. They had us <laughs> beat. Like I don't know. I, they were just so nice. Like yeah, aggressive. That's, that's nice. the image I have as well. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, yeah, the plan to travel. You're three months. Per, per location going back to what eventually europe are you going to settle back in netherlands yeah probably probably if you would have asked me this question maybe five years ago then i would say yeah maybe i'll stick around somewhere but no i, I really like i know how good we have it in in holland like from healthcare to infrastructure to ev everything is just good but i would always have this kind of digital nomad vibe in me so i would like the way i see this perfect future is just have a base in holland Yes. Cool house where I can uh, let my kids grow up, but they just travel around. Like if we're if we're sick of Holland, 
Spain. Let's go a month over here, Spain. Yeah. Let me convince yeah, you. On, I've been trying. I feel like a fucking cult leader. I've been telling all my friends like we're going to Spain. Like I'm doing Spain. it. You're going. Are you in Spain now? No, I'm. I'm currently. This is the third month uh, of usually a six month process. I'm trying to get a freelance visa. So I originally had a Spanish student visa because I was doing a master's there, but the school ended up being all online because of COVID. And then I got the job, which was like, okay, this job is going to pay me more than an engineering job in Spain. So what the fuck am I doing? So then I quit yeah, the yeah. school after a year, which I finished. And then now it's like I'm trying to get a freelance visa. But, but I, I spent all um, last summer in Spain. And it's it's beautiful. It's cheap. The people are nice. Where, where in Spain? Valencia. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's I've beautiful. been there the last summer, actually. You like it? Oh, you've been there last summer? Yeah. I was yeah, there for three awesome. months. I was there for three months. I lived I there. Then maybe, maybe we crossed the... You crossed were in Valencia trip. last well, summer. Yeah. Wow. Surprised you didn't play pickup. Yeah. We had pickup every other night. We could have played some footy. <laughs> yeah, man. If, you, if you're in Spain next year or wherever, just let me know. Then, uh, I'm trying to be long, in Spain in three, three, four months, dude. I'm not trying. Next year, I might be dead next year. There's no fucking <laughs> next year. <laughs> no, but I'm traveling. I, I'm, I'm I not hear you. I hear you. That's what I'm trying. I'm trying to get to Spain. I, was try, I keep trying to convince. A lot of my friends want to go there, but they have no avenue to go there. So I've been trying to help a lot of... Uh, I have a friend that really likes video editing. So I'm like, dude, if you listen to me, I can tell you the outline. It's going to be a bit of a rough outline, but... If you want to go down the remote video editor, social media manager route, we can do that. Like, I can, I'll tell you everything I know. If you trust me, like, let's do it. Because that's he 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 play, wanted to play football in Australia. Funny enough, he wanted to play in the. Okay. He had a contract to play in the second division. He went there. He was about to start a season, and then COVID happened. And then for the last two years, oh, he hasn't. And so, it's like the prime of his years, like mid twenties, he hasn't been play, able to play professionally. But I mean, I'm I, I'm building a cult in Spain at this point. I feel weird about it. <laughs> I always bring digital it nomad cult. But that's the cool thing about about these times, right? Like the whole co- maybe it, we needed COVID to trigger it, like the yeah to trigger it. But yeah, yeah. The whole remote working—you don't have to be stuck in one spot. COVID was huge. as long as you. Yeah, COVID was a mind shift yeah, for a million billion people. One hundred percent. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I mean, I don't want to be stuck <laughs> in one like place. COVID. And it's definitely. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't, don't like I'm COVID. editing that. You're done, pal. It's over. <laughs> Am I going to be one of those Joe Rogan <laughs> clips? Yeah. I'm sending Damn, this to it's every, crazy what's happening with it. Every media outlet, this fucking guy loved COVID. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> this is like what they do to Joko, the media. <laughs> no, but it's been great. You're right. It's like this this shift, cultural shift, it feels like, right? Do you feel that way around in, in Netherlands with people there or your friend group? Definitely. Definitely. Older, like now... Just uh, yesterday, I read that all the restrictions are kind of gone in Holland. But the one restriction that we're still having is work from home. That's a, like, you uh, have a restriction that you have to work from home? It's not like the, you You're, won't get you a should. fine. or Yeah, it, like if it's not possible to not work from home, only then are you allowed to go to work. Which means if you want to go to work, you can still go to work. But like in my company, the bank I worked for, you would get frowned upon. Like I would go, I would go to the office because I really had it, had to have a meeting with a couple of people. And like there was no one there. And then the next day, I would just get an email like, "Oh, I heard you were at the office." Why? From my manager or his manager. <laughs> right, right. So they really looked down upon that. And that's one of the things that's going to stay. So which I like because apparently we learned that you can still be productive. Doesn't matter where you where you are. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, it's fascinating that this is like, <laughs> this is the time we're in where you're getting now shamed into like, it's weird because the government's telling much. you one thing, but your employer is telling you another thing. It's like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Like, who's, who's in the right? 
crazy times. Crazy times. Um, dude, we talked for an hour, believe it or not. Oh, it flew by for Already? Me. Yeah, I don't know if you're busy, if you got shit to do, but I'm assuming, assuming you do. No, not really. Keep talking? Just uh, some editing. Yeah, cool. There's more editing for Any me. Any specific questions or, or topics you wanted to talk about that we haven't touched upon? Uh, yeah, there was this one thing I want to ask you. Because um, in, in the data analytics, or the quitting your data analyst jobs, you said you had a turning point when someone around you mm-hmm. lost their job. Yeah. Can you tell me that story uh, again? Yeah, cool. So that was the, so that was like, I started the traineeship and then through the traineeship, I got my first job at the infrastructure company, the telecom infrastructure company. And there were mostly like, I was the youngest guy there. There was most, there were mostly people working there 40 plus and they started working when they were 18 and they just stuck around because I, I touched upon this in the video as well. This company was not based around a big city. It was more in a, in a cell. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so the people, so the people there were also, you know, you know what kind of people work there. Just chill, relax. Chill, you you yeah. go start work for a company. You work there for your whole life, and no need for the whole fast-paced life of the big city. Um, but oh, Siri is interrupting me. No worries. Sorry for that. No worries. Anyways. Um, which also meant that, yeah, people were working there for a long time, but as soon as our department kind of got shut off because we weren't delivering quality work, that meant almost everyone had to find a new job. And since they were have been working there the whole life at the same place, they didn't have a really broad skill set, so they couldn't really easily apply to different jobs. There were people there with mortgages, with with, with children, and like grown men who were the, because they also did some construction themselves. They were like tough guys. At least that's how they, they portrayed themselves. Yeah. And, yeah, and they started crying. They started crying and asking the manager, like, help me. What the fuck do I need to do with my life? And I see, I saw the breakdown. And in my, in my mind, I was like, I, yeah, okay, I can find a different job. For me, it's no, no biggie. But for them, I can imagine like, dude, you've been working there for 20, 30 years and now it all, it's all gone. What the, yeah, what, what do you do? Yeah. Hopefully, like probably half of them just got reorganized somewhere else in the company, and half of them had to go to a different company. I think they all have them on LinkedIn. They all work now, and everything is like in your head. It's a bigger problem than it really is. But that was a trigger point. Like, do I want to have this in my life as well? Like, 20, 30 years from now, when I should have like live really comfortably, do I have to be stressed about the fact that you can? Yeah, or at least have enough at that point where you can kind of take whatever time you need to get the next job to me it would be weird if you did have this job for what 20 years and you're telling me you've got nothing saved into for a rainy day like that seems really crazy probably 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 they i mean i hope they had but yeah i guess still like yeah that, that's the thing i would if if they really had a big buffer for a rainy day they wouldn't i wouldn't expect a reaction like that like crying right right is this a moment also where you kind of look at, because I've always wondered, do, do you think you were more of a generalist or a specialist? Like, do, do you try to um, have a large set of skill sets that you're okay with or just a few that you're really good at? Like, if I really had to choose between the two, I would say more of a generalist. But, you know, the, the term T-shaped person? No, no, I don't. T-shaped person. That's like. Yeah, that's like a hot new thing now. If you would ever go to an engineering job again and during the interview, they ask you, what kind of person are you? Say you're a T-shaped person. I'm like, hey, bud, that's... come here, come here. Let me show you something. So it's time out? Yeah. Time out? Technical? No, no, no. no. T-shaped person. 
Nah, bro, it doesn't make sense. It, it's like it, if someone asks you, are you, uh, uh, do you have a specific skill or are you more a generalist? T-shaped is like in between. It's like the T is like yeah. I have a broad skill set, but I also have one skill set where I'm really specific. So that's where the T comes from. Right. And I would like career-wise, I would say that was my thing. Like I, my skill set was Power BI and SQL, also Python, but like definitely not the best out there. And like the broad thing would be, I don't know, stakeholder management, uh, other uh, skills and tools. Sure. So T-shaped, T-shaped first. T-shaped and in life, more of a generalist, I would say. I wonder if we're going down the route of less and less specialists because no career seems to be lasting for more than, or maybe not lasting, but not booming for more than like 10, 20 years. Like I remember when I was started doing engineering, everyone's like, oh, secure job, blah, blah, blah. I know people my age that have just finished engineering. It's like, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. They're so already secure. outdated. They're already like, you know, like there, there isn't, because you got to think about it. There's like a thousand people that, like, even from my small city of whatever, 200,000, there's a hundred people or a thousand people that graduate every single year with this degree. Yeah. So, so what becomes this, the factor that separates you from the next person? And like, we're talking about these jobs where you usually hold them for a long period of time, like the, that guy that in your office, right? So, like, mm-hmm. it's way more saturated now. And it's like this, this specialist thing is, I feel like it's slowly fading. Obviously, you're going to have doctors, lawyers, and stuff like that, but. I, yeah. I can't see a career path that's secure for 20 years from now. I agree. And especially now with the whole remote working, as I said, yeah. really you see a trend coming where, yeah, why would a company in Canada need to hire someone uh, from Canada if they can also hire a, a team of, I don't know. So it, it's hire one expensive engineer in Canada or hire 10 Russian engineers for half the price. Right. I mean, that's and what, accept the fact that maybe the communication is not going to be as efficient as as, uh, as a Canadian, but that's what you're They're not going to care about that. They're going to care about the bottom line when they go into their right. uh, budget meeting. Hey, I, you know, I saved the company a million dollars. I outsourced the team to Mexico this year. Yeah. Oh, awesome. And then a year later when they have a fuck ton of problems with communication, lines being down, whatever it may be, they're going to look back to like, who's the guy that put us all? Oh, okay. It's like, he's fucking yeah, <laughs> yeah. <out> of here. <laughs> 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 I know a friend in, in here that does an engineering job. He has a master's, and he's trying to go back to Serbia. Like a lot of people are going back to the motherland. I've noticed from from my area. Uh, I, don't okay. I don't know if it's the same in, in Netherlands. There's a because like the laws here are getting a little crazy in in like with vaccines and mandates. And yeah. a lot of uh, Serbian people, as you may know, are very anti-vaccine percentage-wise, at least. But by, by if we're yeah. tracking that, and a lot of people are like going back home to. Because they can get a job over there, maybe even remote, and live like fucking kings. Like if you make fifty k US there, ah okay. You're so fucking... they keep working for it. Yeah, they keep working for the company. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Why not? Yeah. It's crazy now. What I think the the interesting part is going to be with like with marketing and not marketing with um houses and and, and prices of that kind of stuff, because you're gonna have this mm. massive massive shift of fr- freelancers that are moving all over the place. So like yeah. a lot of countries in Europe are coming out with um with new visas. Like freelance visas, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know. Like, there's a no. Lot of, I heard it for the first time when you talked about Spain. P- Portugal, Spain, Croatia, Malta, like all these countries are coming out with brand new freelance visas because they're not stupid. They it's easy tax yeah. money. They're not stealing jobs of locals, and they're gonna live and support the economy. So you have a place in Spain, like an apartment that's in the middle of Valencia, that costs like 150,000 euros, which would be 
I don't know, a million and a half in fucking Amsterdam, I assume. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if I go there with a 50K salary, I can pay that off in, what, five, ten years tops? So why wouldn't everyone from with a remote yeah. opportunity go there? And that will happen. I mean, we're now in the middle of that mind shift, but once the majority of people realize, like, hey, yeah, this is the new normal, like, we can... Well, why would I need why to stay I... here if I can live in it? Yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Like... It's weird because I'm reading this book right now uh, called The Sovereign Individual. I don't know if you've heard about it. It sounds familiar, but I haven't, I haven't read that one. Wow, but it, it, like exactly what we're talking about now. But the, the cool thing is this book was written about 25 years ago and they predict everything that's happening right now. Not, not the whole pandemic, obviously, but like the whole shift of like how nation states, how governments are basically these non-commercial entities. So they don't have an incentive to do everything as cost efficient as possible. It's like, oh, we need more money. What? We tax more people, and then they, they just waste a lot of money, basically, right. because they they don't have any competition. They're the only they have a monopoly on violence. That's how they call it in the, in the book. Interesting. But but the book predicts how eventually, because we're going to be so connected with the whole cyber economy. That's how they call it in the book. Basically, IT internet uh, that you don't have to stay at your government anymore. And in fact, this will be. A, like a um, governments now have to act like a act like a company, act in a commercial way. Because if a company has the highest taxes, if a company has very high high house, housing prices, right. and another company doesn't have high taxes and lower housing prices, where are all the people going to go? And where are they going to pay their taxes? You know, it's so fascinating. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and everything. I mean, that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Governments are going to be forced to to be like. Yeah, commercial company. Is that the, you said you you mentioned a few times you're into crypto? Is that where the mm -hmm. the love for crypto, decentralization, and stuff like that? Where, where why are you big into crypto? I guess is the ultimate question. Uh, Bitcoin, like that that whole thing. Yeah, what do you mean, so just Bitcoin. Yeah, just Bitcoin because it started. With, funny enough, I was talking about the company where that guy got laid off. That cried. Right. So we had one one month to finish our work, and the last two weeks were uh, like there was nothing to do, especially for me as a data analyst. What the fuck do I have to analyze? Yeah, yeah, we're shutting off in two weeks. Right. So I was listening to a lot of podcasts, Joe Rogan, and then this guy came along. He talked about Bitcoin, and I heard of Bitcoin obviously before that, but I just like ah, yeah, I didn't think too much of cr it. criminal criminal internet money, whatever. <laughs> and then I listened to the podcast, and I was so intrigued, like. The, the months after that, I was like right. balls deep into Bitcoin. Um, but yeah, well, like I really see it like as Bitcoin and the rest. Bitcoin is the only cryptocurrency that's like truly decentralized. And th th you, there's no off button. You cannot right. shut it off. There's no, and, and all the other cryptocurrencies, we don't know who made it. That, that makes it even more magical You're and right, special. Right. There's, there's, it's just there. It's like the internet was just a, a thing of nature. Now, Bitcoin is this way of like uh, transacting value over space and time and truly decentralized. You cannot hack it. There's no, nobody can shut it off. But the other cryptocurrencies, let's take the second best. Let's Ethereum. go. Let's, yeah, Ethereum. It's still Vitalik. It's still a team. It's like, oh, yeah, well, now we're going to move to proof of stake. Oh, yeah, now we're like, if Russia for some or a big entity would say would pressure Vitalik into changing something in a protocol or whatever, they could do it. The chance is very small, but there's always that thing. And trust me, when governments can exploit something, they will exploit 100%, something. Yeah.
And Ethereum is the like the second biggest. Imagine all the other fucking cryptocurrencies who have five miners all over the world. Like, I think there will be a time when when hackers or people will start realizing that uh, it's maybe profitable to just hack coins. Like, uh, I don't know, not the, like coins that are not so secure because they don't have much hash rate. Like, fuck it, let's uh, 51% attack them. This would be an absolutely horrendous time for me to tell you that my biggest portfolio is Ethereum. So I'm fully <laughs> in Ethereum. So, <laughs> But don't get me wrong. Like, there is a big difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum. I think money-wise, like, what is the best cryptocurrency for transferring value, for having, like, the most secure, unhackable, uncensorable, decentralized way of transacting value? Bitcoin. But what is the, the like, the Functionality. platform for... Yeah. NFTs and who knows what we're gonna play to get earn in games. the coming years. Ethereum, but I do think like everything that Ethereum can, Bitcoin can also eventually have, but just in a much slower way because it's so robust at the at the first layer, at the base layer. It's really hard to change the protocol and to add stuff. And Ethereum is well basically designed that way to be more flexible. But that comes also with some trade offs. It's not that secure. It's not as I mean, the whole, the whole thing with Ethereum was like, uh, oh, look at Bitcoin, the fees are so high back in, what was it, 2017, because it was so popular. And Ethereum fees were like maybe not even $1. But look at it now. Now, now it's Bitcoin like, like $10. Right. Yeah. I bought my first N- NFT two, three weeks ago. I wasted $250, $250 on just the uh, getting fee? it from the plat. Yeah. Wow. With through Meta, MetaMask or $150. I don't know, but it was Regardless, way too much. That's, yeah, criminal. Mm. You should be like 1% of a sale tops. Wow, I yeah. didn't know it was that much, actually. But I think, do you know MetaMask? Meta, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, they wow. ask a lot of uh, gas fee. Yeah, it's, it might be a MetaMask thing, too. I don't know. I don't, yeah. a, crypto is a fascinating space, and, and I'm starting to slowly see the applications working in the space. Like, I'm seeing stories all the time of, of various uses for it, whereas before, it was kind of seen as like, oh, that's a cool idea, but how do we actually use it? Well, like, yeah, there's actually ways to use it. I saw like the other day there was um, some sort of litigation going on, and this guy can't afford to pay his own lawyer fees, and he's basically getting funding from, uh, I, th- I don't know if it's Ethereum or Bitcoin, but one of the cryptocurrencies. Yeah. And then I'm like, huh, that's fascinating. And then the other day in Canada, we had a, a $10 million GoFundMe that got canceled because the company thought they could infringe or they could make the call that this wasn't a money that was being used, you know, I don't know, not criminally, yeah. but it wasn't being used to whatever. It was a, because it was a threat to the nation. Like, they're giving these truckers yeah. money to continue the protest, which is like... But they were pressure, pressured by the government, right? Or did they decide probably, themselves? Probably. I don't know. I don't know. I probably. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming they would never say that. That would be a horrendous thing to say. Uh, I think um, they're based out of Florida, so their mayor basically came out and said... We're going to look into what's going on, why they, <laughs> but then what happened after that was they set up a Bitcoin um, account basically and they got like 800,000 in Bitcoin in a day. And I'm like, wow, yeah. that's fascinating. Like there's, there's your application. Try to shut that off. Yeah. Who's going to gonna shut off. that off? Who's going to, yeah. Yeah. And then there's like play to earn games. There's so, as I talk to more people, I'm, I'm starting to see kind of the bigger picture and we're still light years away from it, but I'm, I'm really excited for the future. Yeah. Bro, it's going to. Like I follow it every day, every day. So not just price-wise and all the trading, which, yeah, you can earn, obviously you can earn a lot of money because 99% is just like a casino with all the coins. And, sure. But you can also earn a lot of money because of the fact that you see potential solutions and, and things that's going to happen with Bitcoin and Ethereum 
and you're one of the like you're still an early adopt adopter and you can yeah take advantage of the fact because it, once the whole mass adoption starts you already have some bitcoin and coins yeah you're gonna profit from i'm it. excited i'm excited for my ethereum to fucking crush your little bitcoin and you're like oh i wish i would <laughs> some ethereum no i'm just kidding um it could happen. You never know. That's where that's the early yeah, days. We, yeah. we could, it could, all of these could be obsolete and it could be some new crazy one that comes out of nowhere and is more functional, more useful, came out of nowhere with no yeah. owner. We don't know. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. I'm excited. For the future. I think, uh, j just to get it out there, I think Ethereum and Bitcoin are not a competition. I think a lot of people do think like, uh, oh, Ethereum is going to get bigger than Bitcoin. Yeah, it might be, but it's not the same use case. It's yeah, totally no, different. It's not, like, right. <laughs> Ethereum would never be used for those structures because then Canada might step in and say to Vitalik, you're now going to shut this off and he might listen or not, might not listen. But the fact that there is a single point of failure, yes. like there is someone to talk to, there is some right. kind of switch. And with Bitcoin, yeah, you, you can talk all you want. You can get angry all you want, but there's just no, no way no of stopping. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what happened? To you cannot build it. Wasn't there a guy that claimed to, to have made it though? What happened with that? Craig Wright, uh, bro, you have to like, <laughs> is that a good watch a couple of videos. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> That's it's, a good it's, Like, I'll give you the summary. He's a uh, he's a crazy pathological liar who, like, he gets off. Oh, and I don't know. I don't know. That's gonna be a decided, I'm gonna, in a year. I can't wait. One hundred percent, bro. One hundred percent. But it's so funny. Like now, now there's this whole case going on, like for weeks. And I, I read somewhere on Twitter, like one of the witnesses that saw him actually build the Bitcoin code, like who knows that he's Satoshi, was his mom. <laughs> Like that's it. She's actually going to be called as a witness. I'm not lying. I'm not lying. And then there's videos like where he's talking about how. Um, so in in the beginning, no. So there's videos of him doing a talk, and he's talking about how he created Bitcoin. But then he's like, you have this what are you called Freudian slips. Freudian like slip. Where you, yeah, yeah. Where you make just say the yeah. wrong word, but it's catastrophic. Yeah, and he says like, uh, yeah, I can remember when Satoshi was writing the Bitcoin code. I was. Obviously, when I was writing the Bitcoin code, I was like, yeah, like stuff like that. I mean, but yeah, he decided to prove that he's Satoshi and then he used the falsifiable proof. So basically, something that everyone can use is just a nice trick. Right. So it seems like you have the private keys to the Bitcoin wallet, but it's not proof. Like anybody could do that. And then just the fact that he decides to use a very complicated falsifiable proof. Instead of just, you can do it in a really easy way, just sign a basic blockchain transaction with your private keys. Like that, that, that that's everything. You I mean, yeah, why, I don't understand why that would be so difficult. He could say, hey, I'm going to move whatever, 10 Bitcoin to this address in three minutes and you guys be ready. And that's how you know it's going to be me. And then it happens yeah, and you're like, sweet, that's that years. guy. <laughs> no, no, that's then that's the whole thing. But it's funny. It's just entertaining. It is entertainment. Yeah, it's fun. We we live in a weird parody times. I, I think I wanted to make a video. I think we live in like there's different names for different ages. I think we're in the the age of hypocrisy. I think yeah. that's the best way I can describe what we're living in, because everyone is saying something but doing the opposite, and it's like they're forgetting that we live in a place where everything was recorded. It's like. This doesn't yeah. work anymore. <laughs> like the other day, I was I was gonna make a video about this. Like the other day, um, it was like the U.S. government was saying that Joe Rogan's podcast was um misinformation, and they wanted to kind of take it down. And all I was thinking, I'm like, you guys have started every single war based on mis. What are we talking about? Like, are we forgetting like yeah. what happened like a year ago? Didn't you guys invade Afghanistan on a like a lie? Like, what <laughs> how are you guys gonna be lecturing the world about? Anyways, neither here nor Joe there. Biden. Uh, Joe Biden last year. Uh, 
get vaccinated. Yes, that's a great one. You won't be, you won't transmit or you won't get the disease. Yes. Done. Yes. <laughs> what, what's that? What's that? Is that mis- misinformation? Is that that's fucking dangerous? Man. Yeah, it's... that's dangerous. <laughs> Why don't we and take the it down? Joe Rogan is, the only thing Joe Rogan is doing is having experts on like the the literal inventor of the mRNA vaccine or inventor maybe who contributed to the development of, uh, and he asks him questions. And that's misinformation. Yeah, but because yeah, he has a platform. That's the only why. If he didn't have a platform, there wouldn't be no one would care. Like who gives a shit? But it's information because exactly. he's an audience. That's why it's information, misinformation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We can talk about all. I kinds hope of he stuff. gets out of. It. I I'm sure he'll be fine. But bro, it's Joe Rogan. He has a he has fuck you money. He's um. The other yeah. day, I was reading an interview with the South Park guys, and I was some, okay. some yeah. comment was asking. Uh, I forgot one of the creators. I can't remember which one it was. But he's like, oh, are you worried in this climate to make uh, these jokes about whatever and whatever and keep pushing the boundary? And he's like, dude, we have fuck you money. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Like, they have, they're both, they're both worth $800 million each, like the two creators. He literally said, I have fuck yeah. you money. Like, you don't understand. I can do, I can, I can buy the network and <laughs> make whatever. Like, <laughs> fuck the one. Yeah. That's the ultimate yeah. goal. Fuck you, money. Having fucking fuck you, money. Um, dude, we've done an hour and twenty. Uh, appreciate your time. I'll leave your channel, Stefanovic. Why is it? Why is it Stefanovic? Why didn't you optimize uh, it for search engine stuff? Or why didn't you? I don't know. It seems weird. What's that about? Uh, I see. I why am I roasting like, you, Teddy? I don't know why I'm doing. It. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. What the fuck is that about? Are you fucking kidding me, bro? One name? What name? What are you? <laughs> Magellan, no, like, or, like, Irish singer. <laughs> <laughs> No, obviously Stefanovic comes from the like in fact my last name is Masnikovic Stefan and people used to call me Stefanovic when I was younger. But right. uh so uh, like a lot of YouTube channels that I follow just have their personal name, which I kind of appreciate. It makes it more personal instead fair. of a Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I get Smosh it. TV. I get it. You know, I, the first YouTubers. Yeah. But on the other hand, I started YouTube talking about how I'm gonna quit my job, blah blah, while still working a job. So I didn't want to be searchable on Google. So I didn't want to use my full name, Stefan Masnikovic. So I combined it with Stefanovic. So it's kind of personal, but you can also not find me. That's what a fucking, That's that was fun. Yeah. I didn't, I'm going to, I'm going to title this the real reason why Stefanovic. <laughs> and you'll get so many, views so many people are wondering. So many people are like, what the fuck? He's got one name. What is he doing? <laughs> but no, appreciate your time once again. I'm I'm sure we'll stay in touch. Thanks I'll, for having me, man. I'll, uh, this this flew by for me. So make sure to subscribe to his channel. I'll follow your journey in Thailand and East Asia wherever you're at. Yeah. Cool, man. Thanks for having me. It was a really good time.